Hello, so Smith. is this your like childhood diner essentially, or one of them? Yeah, one of them. Yeah, I gotcha. My stepdad's mom used to like coming here. I gotcha. Um, it's my teenage hangout. Uh, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, <laughs> whole other lifetime. As we sit here telling stories till it's quarter after three. Details are so gory, but that's how they're supposed to be. And this waiter must be wondering if we're ever gonna leave. Well, hello there. Diner Buddies. Welcome to the triumphant return of Talking at the Diner. I'm your host, John Kim Fay, and I'm calling the return triumphant mainly to sidestep the intense guilt and shame I feel for not putting out an episode for almost two months. My reasons are not that important, but I have them. The point is, though, that we're back, baby. And I couldn't be more excited to share this conversation with my guest today, Blue Barnett. Blue is the driving force behind Best Bear, a Philadelphia band whose debut full-length album, When, is what I consider a perfect front-to-back record, full of great and often emotionally wrenching songs like this one. Summer and a wasted spring Ghosted lovers and me spiraling Cage can Larry, can you still sing? The signal fire had me quail I got together with Blue at Geet's Diner and Bar in Monroe, New Jersey. Isn't that the best diner name you've ever heard? Geet's. <laughs> Blue and I have known each other for probably close to 10 years, but this was actually the first chance we've had to really hang out, and I just love that about this podcast. It provides me an opportunity to get to know a fellow musician better, and Blue is a truly lovely person, and a songwriter and singer I truly admire. So let's get right to it. This is my conversation with Blue Barnett of Best Bear. Alliteration, anyone? Here it is, right now, right here, on Talking at the Diner. Everything is on the table when we're talking at the diner. Well, I like it just based on the name. Me too. Geets. I don't know if there's cannoli, cupcakes, or I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I know, I brought my appetite. You <laughs> too? Yeah. It's a diner and a bar. Have you ever been to the bar part? I've never been to the bar. No. <laughs> I didn't know they had music either. Oh. It's kind of cool. There you go. 
profile. Picture and they it. Promote Picture it. it. Best yeah. bear live at Geats. Live at Geats. <laughs> Saturday night. Oh wow, they do. They got they got a whole yeah. schedule thing. Never have I seen a restaurant actually promote their stuff in the menu. Wow. Dining with the Divas. <laughs> I just missed it. Dang. Oh. Well, you've been here before. Is there anything that should be avoided? <laughs> well, I used to eat meat. I don't yeah. eat meat anymore. I and I used you. to be kind of lame. I used to always get like ch chicken tenders and the uh, burgers. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure. I guess it's hard to mess that stuff up. Yeah. How are you doing? Good. Good. How are you? Can I get you something to drink to start with? Um, can I have some coffee? Yeah. I'm going to stick with water. Thank you. It's also the 20 year like, album anniversary. That's wild. The older I get, <laughs> the more these things are becoming frequent. You so need to slow now it down. I've just got a whole lineage of records that are going to turn 20 and then they, like, it'll. It'll just take up the rest of my life, yeah. or the 25th. That 50th anniversary. I can, pretty, I can pretty much just like ride out anniversaries for the remainder of this whole thing. It's not a bad way. Maybe I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to like get some new music out this year, finally. Which, cool. Like there was a period from like I don't know 90. Five to like 2014 where I had like a record out like every 18 months wow. and now it's like I'm going years and years with just like <laughs> well I had two singles out last year and so it's a weird different way of approaching being a musician yeah now I mean I have songs they're there they're just waiting to be realized I guess be born Man. Now you have some new stuff in the works too, right? Yeah, got, got a lot of pieces of things. Mm -hmm. um, the guitarist and best bear, the other guitarist, um, mm -hmm. is like prolific, just like constantly writing. And for our first album, we kind of like they brought a lot of songs to the table and just to show us. And then I'm like, what if we like made those best bear songs? Oh yeah. And they were cool with it. So nice. Um, but it like kind of puts the pressure on me. I'm like, oh shit! Like they've like written like 30 songs this year, and I'm like stuck on like heartbreak and like can't put a pen to paper. <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting there, guys. <laughs> but it's hard. Is that how you work generally? Like it's more of when inspiration hits. Yeah. Or, or are you very uh, like rigid with how you like to create? <laughs> Do you know what you're having? Put a pin in that. Yeah, you know what you want? Um, I'm going to get the Beyond Burger. Beyond Burger with the uh, vegan cheese? Uh, just regular cheese, actually. Okay. Yeah. Could I get a ham and cheese omelet, please? American cheese? Yeah. Whole wheat, white, or rye? Uh, we'll do you. whole wheat, please. Thank you. It's very split. I'm like, pancakes or Beyond Burger. <laughs> very different, like, <laughs> so. worlds. Are you part vegan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm vegetarian. Okay. Uh, so I still like cheese and eggs and stuff, but we're actually I'm starting to lean that way. Mm -hmm. But it's honestly a hard lifestyle to like. Oh, especially if you're, if you're eating at out a place like, like this. But yeah. they, it was nice to have the option. Yeah. Um, but then it like comes down to like 
there are vegan folks that won't wear leather and they won't like there's right. like a whole I don't there's, know if I can live up to levels. <laughs> the levels that I would want to go to. Right. Um, I actually enjoy eating vegan food just because I think it's good. It's uh, usually pretty good. Pretty I enjoy like, it. Um, so if there's vegan options, I'll at least take a look. I guess circling back to rating. It's, I think it's like 50-50. I prefer when it just like comes out like naturally, mm -hmm. um, but I've had the most success when I actually schedule time and like cut off distractions and stuff and like bunker down and like only to write. Like I will be that person that goes to a cabin and will come out with like six I or seven songs. I love like, that. So have you done that a lot? I've done it twice now. Yeah. I wrote pretty much like 80% of the Best Barrier album within like 10 days wow. uh, after having a couple songs that for like took me years to write yeah. um, so it's like a mix of like those songs that came out like all at once and I demoed them out all in this little like mm -hmm. cabin in Vermont did um, you go by yourself? I'm by myself wow I freaked out everybody because it was like way off grid and like no one <laughs> no single <laughs> I actually won this um, local songwriting contest that every penny every cent contest um, but while I was away, they were trying to reach me to tell me like that I won. That you won, and, and no one could get a hold of me. My bandmates were like, "It's today, like okay." But oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and the guy left me all these voicemails. He's so sweet, but like he just didn't know I was. That's really just hilarious. Out in the sticks. <laughs> um, I was writing more songs. <laughs> yeah. So this is what it takes. <laughs> yeah. Cut people off, you know? mm -hmm. But I that was expensive. You know, to like oh, yeah. do that and even to drive up there, like my car was like not happy. How'd you find it? Was like an Air Airbnb cabin? Airbnb and thanks to the government for that one small weird amount of time. Uh I had some money like saved up oh, right. to do that. So this was like pandemic times and pandemic time. wow. we got a guitar. We got an Airbnb <laughs> and then we're broke again. But Yeah. That's oh. just yeah. That's the way it works, I think. You get a little yeah. get a little cash, you spend a little cash. And then it gets you a little farther. <laughs> yeah. You find your way. Yeah. Well, that's a. I think that's a very uh, musician attitude to take. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. And I don't think a lot of people can sort of take that specific route. Of, well, I'll make more money eventually. <laughs> <laughs> no one's happy with me about it. <laughs> They're just, you know, because like typical family wants you to like not be struggling or like not sure. have to worry about you in that way mm -hmm. um and i've tried not against certain kinds of jobs but i've like probably had like 30 jobs at this point that are like trying all different things to see mm -hmm. if i like something yeah retail's fine working in restaurants fine. i saw you put out your post about you know the different <laughs> creative things you're yeah. able to do i mean I feel like I'm in the same boat in a lot of ways, you know, like every, every time I work with like somebody that I produce, sometimes it veers off into, uh, I could design your single cover for you. It's true. <laughs> or, you know, it's always, it's a constant sort of, you know, use of your skills, which have to be quite broad to do what we do because there's so many things that you're in charge of. <laughs> For real. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's it's kind of wild, like, the fact that you have to be such a Swiss army knife with, like, 
and some people couldn't do like half of this stuff and uh -huh. like to expect every single artist to also be a manager, booking agent, uh, photographer, social media manager, yep. good at their <laughs> instrument and writing and promoting like and just have patience with people like bandmates and stuff. It's right. like I'm stressed out all the time but it's like I have to figure out where to like I don't actually have to stress it's not going to change anything if I'm stressing about it right. so it's hard to turn that like lever off uh, so you, do you have any go-to stress soothing techniques that you do a long drive long, yeah. <laughs> loud okay. music um, I turn off my phone for a little bit okay that helps because okay. I'm always waiting for like another like group chat or like another email I'm like okay well it was kind of weird because I was on I was driving here and I'm on the Ben Franklin bridge and you know traffic is in the aftermath of this I-95 situation like it's just bad everywhere in town <laughs> and then I got a text from the person who is uh, basically in charge of my PR for my book yeah and it was like these people need like pictures of you and your parents and or you and your kids like in the next 20 minutes i'm like i'm driving to a thing I'm like so i'm like and there's nowhere to pull over and i'm in this headspace where it's like i if any opportunity comes down the pike for promoting this thing like i gotta like it immediately just becomes the top priority even if I'm on a highway <laughs> and I'm like looking in these iCloud folders on my phone there's no pictures of both my parents and me <laughs> it's just me and one of them so I'm like well here's one of me and my the whole article is uh, like they wanted commentary from mixed race people so you know they were asking all these questions I was like like typing questions <laughs> jeez it's all last like, minute. I'm like, well, I made it here alive, and I sent them three photographs, so success. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did it. Mm-hmm. That's tough. Maybe you gotta, like, get all these, like, folders ready for, like, these people, like... Well, you know, such a random I didn't anticipate that I would require photographs of me and both my parents, and, and I mean, I... And, I don't know if they actually exist. I mean, there's a very limited number of pictures of my father because he was passed away by the time I was six years old so it's yeah. a very small window of time yeah. <laughs> to compile photographs that's tough um, but you know what are you going to do <laughs> yeah um, I'm curious how the spare came together because I've known you for a pretty long time do you remember how we met? Is it through Andre? Or is it Fritter? Or is it through Coffee Works? It, well, I was thinking Coffee Works. Yeah. Because I spent so much time playing gigs there and hanging out and like I talk I talk to people about that place all the time. Me too. It must be like a, <laughs> I think it's pretty special and I didn't even live around there, but like when you think of like how many super talented people are kind of like that was their home base for that couple of years. It's pretty mind-blowing. It is. You know? I don't know. I don't know what was... I guess it was, like, the only accessible, like, all-ages kind of place. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know if we even met like while we were there or just that we like were in the I same circle. I think we circles. just sort of, yeah, I think just think we were just around. Yeah. And then I remember specifically saying hi to you at this event in Harrisburg. Do you remember that thing? It was like at Mac or the H Mac? H Mac, yes. Was I playing? Were you? I don't know if I ever played there. I know I've been there a few times. Well, for other people. I think you might have just been Me? there. Like, yeah. Remember that? that? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I wish I did. Like, um, oh my god. <laughs> my friend Susie lives in, well, still lives in Harrisburg. Mm -hmm. um, and every now and then she like come by me to like come hang out. So she, she plays been, like instrumental. That. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what was yeah. happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Harrisburg's like, feels like an untouched territory in my brain, like musically. Uh, I don't know what's happening over there. You know, <laughs> I actually just booked my first show in Harrisburg in like yes. 10 years at least. Yeah. Um, That's cool. I'm going to do that in July. It's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to my question about how the band came together. So, when did it form? There was like a weird journey to get there. Um, so, I was doing my like solo songwriter thing mm -hmm. for a long time. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to get a band together forever, and I like kept putting stuff on Craigslist, like looking for a bass player, looking for a drummer, and I would meet people, um, but it just like never like fully worked out. Mm -hmm. um, and then while in looking for more band members, <laughs> I ran across a post of a band that needed a bass player, uh -huh. um, which is how I met the band Community Center. They only like required me to be with them for like three months. They're like their bass player was getting married all of a sudden, okay, and settling down, and they right. had three months of shows like books. Uh, and they're like, we need someone yesterday. <laughs> and <laughs> right. I had been playing bass like in a kind of cover band with um, called the Bad Apples. We had some original songs. I like that name. <laughs> <laughs> this, I like that group. Um, do you know Dana Celeste from Coffee Works? She's like a sounds familiar. Just like a regular there too, yeah. but we ended up like we're like still like great friends. Mm -hmm. um, her, me, and two other songwriters from that area just came up with this band because we were all drinking Angry Orchard and then we're like we're the, we're the <laughs> bad apples. Uh -huh. um, but I started learning bass because we were all playing acoustic guitar. It's like we don't need for acoustic guitar <laughs> and I'm bad with very, the tambourine like very okay. acoustic guitar <laughs> so we had an electric guitar and two acoustic guitars and then I'm like I'll learn bass okay um and then that's right when I saw that post no drummer no drummer okay nope we were playing at like um Harper's and oh wow the library on like the porch just like kind of we'd probably play here yeah. um <laughs> four hours um anyway Ended up joining that band and just fell into their whole thing. And I stayed with them for three years, and it was like just touring full time, like mm -hmm. nine, ten months of the year, in a little wow. bus every night of the week. That's pretty substantial. It was. <laughs> I feel prepared for anything yeah. now. Also, like interpersonally with like different people, like moving in with a family, basically. Yeah. Um, I learned a lot about like alcohol and things. <laughs> like. <laughs> Okay, if we get free beer every night <laughs> as payment, I'm like, you might become an alcoholic. Mm. Um, so I'm actually like six months sober in like a week, which I've decided just to like cut it in the bud. Mm -hmm. that, that's the phrase, cut it in the bud. Nip it in cut, the bud. Nip it in the bud, yeah. Um, 
but that then I stayed with them as long as I could like mentally because um, I always knew I wanted to be like front and center do your own thing yeah. I was in so far in the background like a band of six people playing bass like all the way like <laughs> barely on the stage half the time right. where like they would like oh we don't have another microphone I'm like it's fine oh. I'm just hanging out <laughs> um, so I, I specifically left that band to make that fair a thing yeah. So I moved back home with my dad at the time and just started writing. I had a couple songs, um, Apathy and Take Me With You and oh, wow. Through the Static. I had written like the last year I was with that band and demoed them out. Um, and then I just started looking for people, met some characters that like would not be my bandmates. <laughs> and then I met Gwen. Um, I worked at Guitar Center for a second, and she worked there too. Then right. um, I met Charlie, who was our bass player originally, and then we couldn't find a drummer that was like, we auditioned like 10 drummers, and like, this wasn't, everyone was good. 10 drummers, wow. That's I have like an Excel sheet of like, all the people we auditioned, I still like, I'm like, wait, I know you? I know you because <laughs> <laughs> because you did not you didn't become the, the drummer of my band. And I'm so sorry. You're very good, but it's just I knew what kind of drummer I wanted. Well, like, it has to be chemistry that goes beyond how a person plays, too. I mean, it has to be you got to be simpatico. <laughs> yeah, and some folks were not simpatico. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. But um, yeah, pretty much through Facebook and like a friend who told me about Gwen was looking for a band. That's how the band wow. formed. Now, did you name this band before you formed the band? Did you have that in mind? I had a name. Okay. Um, and it came from when I was with that community center band. Mm -hmm. Because they had, like, coined the phrase best fair as, like, you're the MVP. Like, you're the, oh, right. you're, you're right. the best uh, of yeah. the day. Like, if you took the trash off the bus or, like... <laughs> you're someone, the best fair. Yeah. Right. Like and that. so I actually have a very long note file of, like, all the potential band names we were, like coming up with and that's the one that no one like hated <laughs> it is it's always through. the lesser of all evils generally i yeah. find <laughs> cardi b's headrest didn't make the <laughs> it was just like purple freeze <laughs> like stuff like that that's um, hilarious and it's hard to like explain where the name comes from without explaining like the past band see, and everything i was in this other band yeah. <laughs> and before that so i'm trying to figure out how to kind of elevator pitch the band name right <laughs> and my friend was like why don't you just say it's about like your favorite bear I'm like well that's a lie <laughs> it's lame no lies i don't have a favorite bear <laughs> yeah but the band it's it's pretty much everything i wanted like in a band like everyone is like able to sing and like wants to contribute um songwriting but they're also able to like let me lead mm -hmm. as well i've had so many experiences where like i get into a band that i wanted and people start trying to like take over and it becomes like an ego thing yeah or like a flashy like i've never been like maybe when i was like 18 19 i like, was cool with the flashy thing like i got a new guitar and like <laughs> i am singing the song but since then like music's been my only like dream and as i'm getting older i'm like i'm not trying to like fuck around like i want people that are in it in the same way yeah i'm not trying to start another band from scratch like this is the band this is the one and like let's all do it well may i fanboy you for just a moment uh, you sure can. listen 
Your album is absolutely like my number one favorite album of last year. That's awesome. By anybody. Yeah. Um, it's just like song after song after song. Not only are they like just great, well-written songs, but you're 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 tapping into something that is so personal and real. And I'm a like sometimes I'm envious of songwriters who are able to do that seemingly so naturally and easily. And I don't know if it's a thing that is natural and easy for you to do, but like that's the kind of songwriting that I covet. <laughs> covet. <laughs> and I just you know I've I've probably listened to that record. At least 50 times, which is kind of a lot That's wild. for a single album. Peaches and Cream, we're gonna mm -hmm. extol the virtues of that song. <laughs> reactions come from within me but there's something about that song that I think more than any song on your record like it does that for me like I've almost had to pull off to the side of the road to like cry to that song and that's only happened like a couple times in my life <laughs> yeah and I think I think it's the feeling that you know like you as the, the singer and the songwriter of that song um, kind of like coming to that point where you're open to things yeah. and it's just I mean everything about the song I mean, is incredibly catchy incredibly just like well done and again like when I see another songwriter like tap into that place where like you it's almost like I'm feeling that catharsis with you that's cool. That is cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And, and it's something that I immensely enjoy about that song. I'm glad you like that song. I I have a hard time playing it at shows now <laughs> because it is like like what you're saying about like being able to go into that place and mm -hmm. like write from that place. It is really like a barricade little room. Like you really got to get in there <laughs> and then also like write like no one's ever going to hear it. Yeah. And then like songs change over time like when you perform them I think you're able to like change your headspace around like who mm -hmm. or what it's about and allow like other people listening to make it about them like mm -hmm. that's been a gift to think about for me like just because it hurts me to sing these songs like doesn't mean that like someone else isn't having an entirely different experience right. like they're there with their love of their life or they're like alright enjoy well, do you find that like every time you sing it on stage you're back in that room or is it are you able to create a little separation now it's like 50 50 yeah yeah which is good like i feel like it's nice to go there sometimes because it's like it feels like the most truest feeling of like when i wrote the song mm -hmm. um but when i've been able to like shift it i feel like i less stress like a less of a come down after a show if i'm not like living in that like writing space yeah yeah do you have everything you need i do thank you 
Um, so I just, I wanted to tell you that to your face. Yeah, thank you. Because I just, um, I'm a really big fan of you and of the band. Um, and I hope it's a, it becomes everything you want it to become. I really do. I'm shooting for the moon. <laughs> I'm trying to take it there. It is so hard. Like, there's like this insurmountable step in my brain. Mm -hmm. Getting out of the Philly scene mm -hmm. to a national scene, even like a bigger regional scene. Yeah. And that's where I want to go. <laughs> and it's just like, I'm so thankful for all the support like Philly's given us. Mm -hmm. And like even XPM, like even listening to us was always a dream of mine and it feels like I am and dreaming sometimes. And you did sometimes. one of the, the sessions that, that they did the video for, which is awesome. That was like, I thought that was impossible. Like other projects I've been in, like I feel like never were trying to get, or like didn't know how to get to certain levels or like uh -huh. we're, they just thought it was gonna come to them. And I'm just very aware that it's not gonna like, like we have to put in a lot of work and some mm -hmm. of it's not gonna feel good. Like no one really likes doing photo shoots and stuff, at least in our band. <laughs> It's really like, no offense to everyone, but like, it's like pulling teeth. And I also like, I don't know how to pose. And like, I'm glad when pictures come out, but I'm smiling at every one of them and everyone else is like doing a really cool like, Very serious. And I'm like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I need like a coach <laughs> for that, but. I don't know. I mean, I think that's what makes it like a real thing. Like you're not trying to be someone that's not you. you know? I mean. Smiling in pictures is underrated. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't think it would feel natural to like try and do like an to do like the cool thing like. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. I don't. I don't know much about your bass player. Storm. Um. Do they do their own solo thing too? Or they're in another band mm -hmm. that they play drums in okay. uh, called Genonia. Okay. And their main, I guess their main passion outside of music is actually like recording bands. And gotcha. Like he recorded our album and mixed it. We mixed it kind of together, but like he like took it on as like oh, well, what he really awesome. wanted to do and it made it that much better. But um, he's <laughs> also the youngest person in the band. He's so what? The youngest person in the oh, band. Oh, really? So he's like. He's the baby mid-twenties and like we're all like 30 year like pushing it mm -hmm. um so it kind of keeps like a balance of like hmm. i don't know it's nice to have like a different perspective on stuff because like we're all well, not bitter but like jaded or like <laughs> and they're like i don't know like it could be a fun show well like charlie and Gwen both do their own thing outside of the band do you find that that is a positive thing in keeping the band where you want it to be? I think, I mean, I, from being that person that was in someone else's band, mm -hmm. I think I didn't have enough chance to do my thing, and that's what led me to burn out and, like, need to leave. Mm -hmm. So, seeing that in my band members being so talented on their own, I'm like, please, like, I'll be the first one at your show, like, with a big sign in the front, like, or filming it or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So I absolutely encourage it. Yeah. And once Gwen gets comfortable, they're using a stage name now, um, Parker Drew. Mm -hmm. And once they're comfortable like playing more solo shows, like they're just so good. Like I don't know how to praise them more. They've shown me so much about like guitar tone and like pedals and effects too. They loaned me like every guitar they have to like well, see that's what the I like. Thing. It's like 
you have some really talented people in this band. I feel I bad at guitar. I think it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would love to be surrounded by people better than me. That only, like, helps everyone. Mm. I'm trying to get, um, Brittany Rotundo. Uh -huh. <laughs> trying to, like, rock out like that. <laughs> I remember seeing John and Brittany a few times and oh, like man. thinking like that is the epitome of like how to rock out on guitar. She's a rocker, mm -hmm. no question. It was a very sp special and unique time in my musical life. Yeah. Because it really was the first situation I was ever in where it really was I had to answer to another person. <laughs> which ultimately made our music better that we had that dynamic but it, it was the least comfortable situation because every other band I had ever been in like it's my thing yeah but with that it was always it's our thing <laughs> it is a hard shift yeah even in bands that are like almost like all democratic like like I, I try to make this fair democratic Mm -hmm. Where, like, everyone has a say, but I kind of have, like, the final say. But I also do so much work <laughs> behind the scenes. Right, sure. And I allow my bandmates to, like, just focus on what other things that they help with. Mm -hmm. So, I just know how it feels to, like, be the other person where, like, someone else is calling all the shots. And But if you see, like, they're doing something that's about to be, like... Like, don't play that Tuesday night in Indiana at that <laughs> weird cow house. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, it's not, I'm just, I'm here just to play. I'm not mm -hmm. here to. Yeah, but, but I, I think that's kind of what I was maybe getting at, you know, talking about how they have their own projects. Mm -hmm. They also understand your point of view because they are in charge of their Thing, Absolutely. You know? so yeah. So there's some. You see all the work that goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I actually made the flyer for the show you're playing on um, with uh, Charlie. And, oh, that was yeah. you. Yep. Great the little flyer. bird. <laughs> yeah. Love that flyer. Small world. <laughs> nice. Okay. Uh, That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot I want to do. I'm. I went. I'm in school again. Um, studying graphic design at Wilmington oh, University. Nice. I feel like every other band I've been in, I've taken on the social media role because everyone hates, like, I get, I get it. <laughs> nobody like, likes to do it. Nobody likes it, but I love capturing a moment too. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I just want to be better at it, like on a artist friend. Because mm -hmm. art was like my first love. Like that was what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an artist. Okay. And I... In any particular medium? It's just drawing. drawing. And like I love charcoal. Mm -hmm. um, my dad paints and it's more like, he's a real estate person as well, but like painting is like his main passion outside That's his passion. of that. And yeah. photography. Nice. And my mom used to sing. And her, I think what I've been told over the years is like her anxiety and like having kids and like having to like shift a lot of priorities kind of got her out of the scene like she would be like a wedding singer uh, in like a wedding band oh and i remember growing up with her having like all the lead sheets and stuff like all over the basement and she's just like <laughs> uh, cool is that? singing up gloria Estefan and like <laughs> she's come to my school come on everybody come do that come go i know yeah <laughs> i love gloria Estefan because my mom but it's it's nice to have their support now where like that was a struggle like growing up 
the first time I ever went to Coffee Works, I, I snuck out and I lied saying I was sleeping over a friend's house because oh. they weren't so keen on me playing music. I think they thought of it more of a distraction from school and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was still in high school. Um, but I was doing fine with like grades and stuff. Yeah. So it was always a hard, like, I didn't understand why I was bad. That is fascinating. I had to sneak out to Coffee Works. Yeah. Man. <laughs> and I had to be home at a certain time. Like, it was like That's the next like day. The I'm most... like, okay. <laughs> and I was feeling so guilty. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Not that they'd ever go there. Thank, Thank you. you. That's a great story. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that place really was pivotal. I feel like. I said, like, Dana is still one of my, like, best friends, mm -hmm. and Camille Perudo is, like, and Nikki Spaponi, like, the two of them are, like, taking over, <laughs> like, the whole scene in, like, right. Jersey. <laughs> every, every gig there is had to be had. I can't imagine playing that many shows in the summer. Like, I don't think my voice would be ready for that. Camille's a force of nature. Mm -hmm. I have to be honest, like, she is, I mean, so the first time I met her at Bobby Words, I think we were both opening for like John Eddy or somebody. Yeah. Oh and, yeah, he's so good. And like, she was like 14 <laughs> and she was great then. I was like, who is this person? <laughs> and now, you know, she just got married. It's just like, it's so wild for me to like look at her now. And, and she's, you know, she's made like, three full-length albums in that time and they're all great in my opinion like yeah and like people like um i just saw amy faden a few weeks ago yeah um she's back out doing stuff alexis cunningham like we it, just played just, with her uh we opened for her, me and charlie oh yeah and that was like such uh, a nice North. Mm -hmm. that was so cool and to just like kind of pick up where we were like mm -hmm. what's good <laughs> You've been all over the world. What's up? But you know, like when you when you just like list those names, mm -hmm. these are like incredibly talented singers, songwriters. It's just really cool. Mm -hmm. I miss Bob. Yeah. I'm so friends with Sally on Facebook, and like I always think like every year. I think my friend Dana has one of his guitars. Oh, yeah. um, I see it in her living room. I'm like, Bob Brown. Ooh, yeah. Mm -mm -mm. Great guy. Mm -hmm. Have you done a lot of touring? Yes. <laughs> it's been a few years since I like really did a ton of it. I mean, mm -hmm. when I was in my band, The Caulfields, in the 90s, it was, that was the life. You know, like, but it was kind of a short, I mean, it was like a, basically like two years where it was like hardcore touring. And then after that, <clears throat> um, and that was my first touring experience. Like, I mean, I, I, the band that I was in prior to that or, or that kind of like morphed into that band, we played a lot, but I wouldn't call what we were doing touring. We were just doing like 15 shows a month in Delaware is basically <laughs> what was happening. Yeah, we're on tour. That's not in a Delaware. tour. Yeah. <laughs> you know, getting in a van and having to sleep in a Motel 6, mm -hmm. that is a tour. 
And um, so I feel like my entrance into touring, like I was kind of, I'll say it, I was spoiled at first, and then I had to learn how to do it in a not spoiled That's way. That's hard. That would be harder. You know, oh you know, and not even like I had a tour bus, but like we had a, we had a band that was paid for by a record company. And, you know, we had tour support, which means that, you know, you had a per diem. You could go, you know, you could go to the diner and not worry about what you were going to order or whatever. Yeah. And then when that is gone and then you're still sort of faced with, well, we have to, I have to do all the things that I was doing, but now I got to personally pay for all of it. Not just me, but like, I, I became like that guy. You're the label now. Yeah. So if I went, had a, you know, all of my bands were generally like quartets. So three other people, I had to pay for their travel, their everything. Yeah. And that is, that's a lot, you know, but you learn the, the, uh, the hacks that allow you to make that happen, you know, on way less money. And, um, you know, so a lot of like the stuff that I did with my band Ike, which was the band that followed the Caulfields, was we would find a town where we could like anchor the whole trip to that town around like a private event. Smart, yeah. Because money. <laughs> that can basically pay for like the, you know. I mean, it was never ever a situation where. I was like, I'm gonna make money from this. But if, if you could break even, that was just the best. Yeah. And so that's how we did it for years. You know, we would, especially with um, places like Atlanta, for example, we had a big following down there and we always had like a few people that would like do like private events that we could basically route the whole trip around and it would you know and then, so we could go and play like a small venue and not really worry about you know are we going to make $500 doing this or not yeah know? so it worked out pretty well <clears throat> but you have to be I guess more calculating about it and you, you can't just take like every show and just go out and that's a money pit. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've created many a money pit <laughs> without knowing. You learn. I've uh, I've tried to be upfront with people too like when I was younger and like figuring all that out mm -hmm. and like I was willing to do all the work to like try and make it streamline only a couple hours here we could stay here we do this. Mm -hmm. It's really a lot for one person to like get all together plus the fact that like things change so last minute sometimes so like a band drops now the show's over like now we have a 10 hour drive um yeah and i always like would tell people when i didn't have a guarantee for shows i'm like i will give i will split all the money that we make and it's to you guys like i'm not making any money mm -hmm. whatever we do make is for you guys but i don't know how much it's gonna be right and i'm so sorry to be <laughs> like but if then if they're cool with that yeah i mean sometimes it's good i was very lucky like my the people that I worked with, they were all willing to take like a leap of faith because I still had some things going on like career-wise that would make it worth it for people that I was playing with. You know, yeah. Because 
I mean, if you if you count up the number of like songs that ever ever got on the radio, like Ike actually outdid the Caulfields in terms of quantity. I mean, maybe not in terms of like scope of airplay, just because our first single on the label was like a national and international thing, but for what we were doing and the kind of like the scope that we knew that we were working within, like we had parameters, like we wouldn't just like drive to like Montana for no reason, you know, like there were, there were places that we knew we had fans and that we could go back to at least once or twice a year and that's how we would do it. Yeah. And so it just became something where you just had to be like really thinking about every aspect of it in order to make it not be a money thing. <laughs> yeah. The anger dates is so true. Mm-hmm. We were lucky on our, when we did our album release and then like a little tour mm-hmm. um, I booked her like beginning of the year I'm like alright we're gonna do our best here and our album release show was like the most money we've like I've ever personally made like or like we've made as a band we were able to was pay was that the Philomoka thing mm-hmm. that was a big night that was, that was a great <laughs> that'll night. probably be my favorite show ever like yeah. today <laughs> um, I like I remember going home after that I was like did not feel real I'm like okay that went really well Oh. Well, the best feeling is going home and this thought crosses your mind. I hope I don't get mugged. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah. I was living in West Philly um, at the time. And, like, parking was always annoying at, like, you know, 1 a.m. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, that wasn't too late of a night. But I remember having to walk, like, three blocks where, where I parked with my amp, with all the merch, with my guitar is like a couple trips oh, and my ex at the time like had went to bed like and like I understood like they had to work <laughs> you know yeah. but that's like kind of like I felt great about the show but it was like a lonely feeling of like hey, I'm tiptoeing back into the house like my roommate sleeping my ex was sleeping the dog like she'll wake up like after such a night that is a very interesting thing you bring up because that's a feeling that I've had many times where the transition from what you were experiencing as a performer and you know just the love that you're getting in that moment of having a big show and then the harsh reality (laughs) of the aftermath of that I think I think in general that might just speak to a bigger thing like maybe that's why like musicians love after parties because it lets you feel that yeah. feeling a little longer Let's keep it going before <laughs> that moment forced you... back into silence uh-huh. <laughs> how are you supposed to sleep after that mm-hmm. and I'm like I want to look on Instagram I'm like, oh. but I had to wait <laughs> Do you remember your first time on stage? Mm. Honestly, I think it was at Coffee Works. Um, I think I was like 16. Mm -hmm. The night I snuck out. Um, (laughs) And I had like practice in secret. And it didn't go well. Practice in secret. (laughs) Like they were cool with me like playing guitar, but like. I just didn't want them to know I was like if getting ready. If they thought you had a broader agenda, that would have been trouble. Um, I remember I was doing a cover of Rihanna's Umbrella at the time. It was like, Good choice. And I ran out of breath like while playing because there's a lot of like like it was a lot to sing. 
and I was so embarrassed that like I like ran off stage <laughs> and I sat outside on like little bench <laughs> and my friend Leanne was just there to like comfort me like I can't go back in there <laughs> and then I went back in it was fine but like and everyone's like you were great like what happened I was like I just couldn't <laughs> oh and then I came back trying to reproduce like the vocals on a highly produced <laughs> yeah, record that is not clearly <laughs> not sung all the way through <laughs> and then you're up there trying to do it in like a more folksy like like trying to be chunky with it was like <laughs> so i remember feeling mortified but also like i didn't really know anyone there except for my friend that came with me mm. so i'm like whatever yeah <laughs> oh that's great <laughs> I was really adamant about metal music in high school and like grunge. Adamantly, like I wanted four, very <laughs> four, okay. um, and I wanted to like sing that way and like rock. Mm-hmm. Like I just wanted to rock, mm-hmm. but my voice could not get to the level I wanted. I tried. <laughs> I kept losing my voice. I couldn't figure I out tried. why. And my voice is like I've come to terms and I love my voice, but it really does yeah. have its own pocket in the world. And I think Best Bear is like the best blend I could get of like, mm-hmm. we can rock out, but also like we can quiet down so I can sing like at the tone I want to and yeah. like not scream and lose everything. Um, but I just remember like, I'm like, I just want to shred. <laughs> like I had all this metal, like I just like the Dimebag Daryl like guitar <laughs> and like all the metal zone, like <laughs> distortion pedal. Oh, you had a metal zone? I did have a yeah, metal zone. I had one back yeah. in the day. <laughs> Got the very, on the very razory sounding. Very razory. Through a Marshall combo. Not a, yeah, it was a not tube. Solid state. Solid state, mm-hmm. yeah. It was like so sharp. <laughs> <laughs> well, what were your favorite bands in that realm that you. Uh, I love Black Sabbath. I felt like such a hot topic, like kid. Mm-hmm. But before even that, it was weird. Like that became popular right after I, my brother was like, really loved Slayer, Judas Priest, um, Iron Maiden. I loved Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I kind of fell more into like Nirvana and Green Day, and the yeah. Distillers and like more punk, Black Flag. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little topical, but <laughs> my my stepdad is like an ex state police, he's like retired. Mm-hmm. But at the time, there was such a big miscommunication that like I still could never like fully explain it. But like, go to Blockbuster. We used to go to Blockbuster, mm-hmm. and I remember I rented this like punk documentary, and I think it was just about like a certain scene in a city. Yeah. And there was a scene where my stepdad walked right in, and it was a record spinning on the TV, but the band was called like A Thousand Dead Cops or like something like oh, that. Oh, Millions of Dead Cops? Yes. Yeah. NBC. Just as that was playing, oh, he God. walked in the door, and we've never been able to talk about it. And it was like the one, I'm like, I couldn't have, <laughs> he's like, what the hell are you watching? You let her watch this. <laughs> and yeah, it's kind of hard to... Uh... <laughs> I, I'm like Separate. I don't even I didn't even see that coming. Mm. I'm not trying to kill you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I had one of their albums as a teenager. Actually. Yeah, it's a little and, flashy of a name. No. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Um, my father was a Philly cop back in the I guess the fifties. He came up the ranks with Frank Rizzo, apparently. 
The crumb bum. The crumb bum himself. <laughs> <laughs> and like learning that about my dad, like way, way after the fact, was like a very interesting thought. Mm -hmm. It's like, hmm. <laughs> so hard. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much about the country, <laughs> but <laughs> I just remember feeling so patriotic as like a kid, just like fully unknowing anything. Yeah. Cause, like I would be the person chanting like USA, and, like Fourth <laughs> of July, like I'm like so like You're proud right. of the United You're States. Right. And now like you know it's a little different. Yeah, a little different. Oh. What do you attribute that to? Was it just like your upbringing? Was there something that you witnessed about America that you... Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think when I was younger, my, my parents got divorced when I was like 12. Mm -hmm. And that really like kind of shattered my worldview because I didn't understand. Yeah. And my mom like a few years later met my stepdad and like then we were living with him and it's just like and it was just like a very love him to death but it was just a very difference from like my artsy kind of like chill mm -hmm. dad to like mm -hmm. police dad yeah <laughs> um and my younger sister is autistic and that's always shaped how i kind of view the world and like so you just never know what someone is dealing with or like going yeah. through Mm -hmm. And she was always like the center, as she should be, like of our family, making sure she's okay and like no one's picking on her. And like I was always just like very like concerned. Um, yeah. But I mean, that was just like interesting to see how other families like weren't. I don't want to say broken, but like if there's another word for it, um, disorganized. Mm -hmm. Like I just realized that like oh. This is different, like, than yeah. the experience of most of my friends. Um, and then also realizing, like, my brother is, like, gay, married, and, like, mm. finding out that I, like, against my will, like, at the time, like, just happen to like girls. I'm like, yeah. cool. Um, and, like, trying to, like, fight that internally mm. because I knew, like, my family was very, like, Catholic and, like, yeah. um, that was interesting to know, like, how quickly you can be, like, cast out of, like, your mm. your own family. Yeah. Um, and just, like, having to learn a lot of things on my own. Like, I, I kind of got kicked out of my house when I was 19, just over, like, nothing really. Like, it was just, like, my stepdad, you know, <laughs> by God. <laughs> I'm not hung up on it. <laughs> We've had talks about it. But, right, right, right. Um, I, I moved to PA, and then mm -hmm. I started to, like immediately started playing like open mics out here yeah um, I don't know it just felt like very difficult mm -hmm. and then I guess with the most recent like our last president um, yes. <laughs> who shall remain nameless <laughs> yes uh, that made me really scared like knowing mm -hmm. that like my family I grew up watching like Fox News not thinking anything of it mm -hmm. I just thought that was like that's the news like it's all the news is what I'm saying right um and then to find out like how that could quickly change how someone sees the whole world. Like yeah. my family, like they weren't like pro that person, but they weren't not. And I'm like, do you know what that person stands for in regards to even just me? Mm -hmm. And we could never like talk about it. Really? And I wasn't going to be that person. Like we're not going to be friends on Facebook. Like they're my family. So I knew right. like maybe one day it would pass. Um, but you know, that, that kind of hurt that they couldn't like see. Yeah. The distinction there um 
Hannah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think it's a really positive thing that you, you know, like I have a very hard time. I'm maybe not a hard time. I'm trying to pick my words wisely here. Like, I understand if a person, you know, in a social media context, if someone is is doing something so despicable, yes, block them. But I also, there's a part of me that feels, and especially where family is involved, like, if you just give up on people, you're sealing the fate of that relationship. Yeah. You know? And I, I do believe in people's thoughts evolving. I do believe in people's attitudes changing with new information and or just to be like to see things a different way. And to have that faith that you'll be able to one day work it out, I think is it's a positive thing, you know. I, I I personally feel that way, and I you know I mean I and I've come very close with some people on social media where I'm just like, <laughs> that button was right there. Fuck this guy, you <laughs> yeah. know. Like, and in a couple instances, I think it's come back to um, sort of make me feel good about my decision because you know. People who are indoctrinated in a way that you disagree with, it's like uh, a lot of times you have to, you know, like their behavior might be fucking horrible, but you have to, you have to understand that it's just kind of like where they're at and maybe how they were raised or how, you know, like I, I think I dealt with a lot of this kind of thought when I was sort of like going back over a lot of events that I wrote about in my book. And, you know, I had friends who, when I was a teenager, like, they were kind of racist assholes to me. But they were 14. You know, when I think about, like, what society and culture was like, I mean, it was, we were all living in, in it. And to a person, you know, if I've been able to talk to these people in the, the present day about that stuff, and they understand what they did and how it made me feel, and they are also remorseful about it, and clearly wouldn't do it again. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I think that if we lose like all hope or willingness to. give people that opportunity to grow or reshape how they think. I guess I just I just think it's just not going to end up well <laughs> for anybody. Yeah. It's, you know? it's hard in this, that heat of the moment, though, like, because sometimes it's like you oh, don't deserve, sure. like, yeah. you know, me and myself. <laughs> but. I don't know. I think that it's just, like, for me, it's like a... Uh, like, I think in general, society has, like, a reactivity problem. Yeah. We're all pretty knee-jerk, and everyone's, everybody's guilty of it. Yeah. But if it's just a feedback loop of knee-jerk reactions, where are we? Yeah. As people, you know? 
know, I've, I've kind of had like a falling out with a friend this year that was like a friend for like decades now. Really? Um, and I, I usually am able to like, you know, kind of look further. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it's like, how long can you look further with someone that's like, yeah. I don't know. It's definitely a case by case thing. <laughs> For sure, yeah. It can't be a blanket statement, right. but yeah, you know, it does. Sometimes it hurts more than like a breakup, like <laughs> not all breakups, but yeah. like having a like a close friend, mm -hmm. and that if they don't understand, like why. My whole thing is like if I feel like hurt by someone, if they can recognize at least that what they did hurt me and maybe even apologize. Yeah. Um, but if they're clearly on the other side of like defense and like I didn't do anything wrong and yeah. you're overreacting, I'm like, well right. then now I don't have any feelings. Like, okay. Right. And right. that's where we're at. <laughs> so then you just got a little space. And that's when little space you start time. writing songs like Gaslighter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, John. That <laughs> That was a bad relationship. Mm. Hey, you know what? Sometimes bad relationships make for the best songs. And Best Bear has got lots of them. Great songs, that is. I can't speak to the number of bad relationships, but that's neither here nor there. But what is here or there is my sincere gratitude to Blue Barnett for joining me for a great time at Geets. I just, I just like saying that. So I, I want to get in one more, <clears throat> one more Geets before I go. Everybody say it with me. Geets. <laughs> okay, that's enough. And by the way, you can learn more about Best Bear at their website, bestbearmusic.com. Uh, you know another thing I'm grateful for? you. Thank you for listening to this um, quality over quantity little podcast of mine. Uh, it is funded by my Patreon. So if you are hearing this episode on a public platform and would like to support it, please visit patreon.com slash John Kim Fay and subscribe for just $2 and up. You'll be helping me produce the show and you'll be feeding working musicians, which I'm sure you'll agree is the Lord's work. Thank you all again for listening. I'm John Kim Fay, and I'll catch you next time right here on Talking at the Diner. Talking at the diner Talking at the diner